Hello and welcome to another fun conversation of the Lewis and Kyle show, where you get to see behind the scenes interviews with fascinating entrepreneurs, investors, and thought leaders in a huge variety of subjects. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Jacob Greenfield. Jacob is a very successful indie hacker who has found success rather quickly. Uh, He's launched a huge volume, he's wildly prolific, of relatively simple products uh, and simple services that have been able to sustain him since he finished his PhD program and keep him going as an independent creator. Uh, Like I said, he's been wildly prolific. He has a bunch of newsletters, uh, one a weekly investment memo talking about the progress and all of his projects. One highlights other successful or interesting growing indie hacker projects. One describes successful newsletters and how they've been growing. He has a ton of essays. Many of them have gone viral on places like Hacker News. And again, he's released a ton of software-related business products, data on demand, is access to databases of you know product hunt products that are opportunities to create businesses, statistics and analytics for Gumroad, statistics and analytics for AppSumo, just really interesting niche one-off software products, data products, uh, trend signals where you can monitor how various topics are becoming more or less popular over time, places to watch the revenue of various companies uh, so you can decide whether or not they'd be a good lead for your business. And he also has a new service-based business called Damn Good Leads, which he talks about at the very end. He has also written a number of eBooks, which you can get as free downloads when you join his email lists. I'm a big fan of his work, truly. Uh, we discuss in this conversation the various business models. So I just gave a hint of a few, right? Consulting businesses, software businesses, data businesses, etc. His philosophy about building, marketing, launching these different projects so quickly, why he thinks he's been successful in such a short amount of time, the mistakes he made early on, and what he would do differently if he was starting over, how he's positioned himself to become a lot more lucky in his career, what he's most excited about, and if you've listened to the show before, as always, a lot more. I'm going to do a quick word from our sponsor, and then we'll get this party started. Enjoy this conversation with Jacob Greenfeld. This episode is brought to you by our friends at VASA, the virtual assistant staffing agency. We hired our first virtual assistants from VASA to assist with our operations running the show back in June. But VASA is not just for podcast editors. If you need some extra hands to free up your time, let VASA help you with hiring for administrative, technical, and creative work. That's graphic design, cold callers, social media managers, sales reps, video editors, admin assistants, and more. Free up your time to focus on your highest impact work and learn more about VASA at vastaffing.agency or by clicking the link in the show notes to schedule a free strategy session with their team. Alrighty, back to the show. Jacob, welcome to the Lewis and Kyle show. No Kyle today. We'll get over it. And uh, I'm excited to be chatting with you. Yeah, thanks for having me. Of course. So, you know, I'm going to do separately, asynchronously, like a pretty long introduction where I introduce you, your projects, all the different businesses you have going on. And people are probably going to be pretty overwhelmed by that because I'm going to be like, you know, there's this Gumroad page with 25 products, but then there's this other consulting service and these like three SaaS companies. People are like, how did he, how did he do all this? So, so one question I have for you, when did you start this journey as an indie hacker? So we're recording this, you know, late October of 2022. When did you like say, I'm going to do this solopreneur, indie hacker, launch a bunch of things? When did that start? I, I think one and a half years ago. It's now. Um, wow. Roughly. Yeah. Did you start out with kind of the blueprint in mind, like the, the levels, 12 months, 12 startups in 12 months, or did you just not find traction with early projects or you're just someone who likes to launch a bunch of things? Yeah, that's exactly what I did. I mean, I. I copied the blueprint and adapted it a little bit. So I also did like 12 projects in 12 months. And this was really just like an experiment for me after I finished my PhD in physics um, because I wasn't sure what to do. And this was one idea and I figured, let's give it a shot. I will definitely learn a lot and maybe lose 12 months, right? And after 12 months, I like re-evaluated, looked at everything. I did, and it was a very easy decision to just keep going. Um, also because I got lucky, honestly, um, because um, a few of my early projects started to generate enough um, profit for me to actually um, yeah, make, make a living right, um, for my entrepreneurial ventures. So then, of course, it's a lot easier. <laughs> but yeah. um, I'm also having a lot of fun, and yeah, there, there was no doubt about it, like stopping. Yeah, I like what you said. I was reading an essay of yours this morning talking about, you know, the problems with insight porn. And you're like, way too few people say that this just like a big part of their journey was they got lucky, right? That like one of your early offers was actually a really good offer and the product fulfilled on it. And so you were 
past the hump of like, this is a super risky thing I'm doing pretty early on. What were some of your very first projects and where did you find the ideas for them? Uh, in the very beginning, I did what like most people do. And that is like doing just these fun little side projects, no monetization, whatever, because I, I wasn't technical, right? I, I didn't know how to code back, back then and I was still learning. So um, this was, yeah, just to learn and like figure out the mechanics, how to actually put something online, get some attention for it. And I mean, if you're not charging money, it's, it's safe, right? No one can complain about stuff breaking. <laughs> Luckily, I think my third project um, was the first um, one where I started charging money. And it's actually a funny story because I got the idea from the My First Million podcast. <laughs> I was listening to one episode with Andrew Wilkinson and he mentioned an idea that I really liked. And the idea was that there are all these projects that get launched on Product Hunt every single day, but most of them fizzle out, right? Never go anywhere. And it's not necessarily because the idea was bad, but um, simply because a lot of the people who put these projects online are developers, right? They have no idea how to actually get customers. So um, there is an opportunity if you know some marketing or have a budget to hire someone um, to buy these projects fairly cheaply from someone who lost interest and just give them a boost and make a nice return on your investment. And this yeah, sparked my first project, basically building a database um, that helps people find these kind of projects. And I mean, I, I, as I said, I got lucky because I did a lot of things right. I wasn't like operating in a vacuum. And the idea came from like someone with a fairly big following. So he helped amplify the message. And um, this obviously like helped a lot. So how are you charging? So you just made an Airtable database, uh, presumably with some web scraping, and just said, hey, if you want access to this database, just flat fee, one-time payment? Exactly. I mean, I hadn't even figured out how to charge a subscription back then. I had actually no idea how to do it. Um, it's, it's kind of tricky with, um, if you have like an air table and how do you actually put it behind a paywall? Because once people have access, they have access forever. Right. So I actually didn't figure it out. I just said, whatever, I just, um, launched it and put a trial offer online. And it said you get access like for, uh, I think 90 days or something for a, a, a fixed fee. I, 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 it was super cheap. I think like 20 bucks or something. And I also limited it to like 100 or something. And yeah, that, that, that offer, um, again, very lucky, um, sold out actually fairly quickly. Wow. And then obviously I was motivated to figure out how to actually make the subscription thing work. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, but yeah, I mean, it was definitely the right decision to just start, right? Put it online, whatever, and figure it out once the idea is actually um, validated. Now, I think that's one of the most compelling parts of, of your story more broadly is just this really consistent, like, action bias you're talking about. I think it was that same blog post, like, you're not reading books for, like, the sensation of enjoyment or feeling like you're getting smarter. You're like, is there an experiment in here worth trying, right? And I think another one that I'm curious to learn your experience with is I just feel like I, I want this to come across as a compliment, right? But you, I feel like you're very shameless about just like taking a strategy, see what someone else trying and just trying it yourself, right? Like for example, yeah. the, yeah. And like, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Right. I think, but I think so many people have a hesitation to like, just be like, I saw that someone do this. It worked for them. I'm going to try it in this context and see if it works for me. Like, I feel like people have this need to feel like they came up with the genius marketing plan. They came up with the genius pricing scheme. They came up with the genius offer. And I feel like you just, for whatever reason, skipped all that like bullshit of like needing to be original in the sense of like all the pieces of the business. You're like this is an original idea and everything else. I'm just going to borrow from someone else that did something that works. Like, would you say that's more accurate? A hundred percent. I mean, um, and it's one of the, biggest mistakes I see people make, like trying to invent everything from scratch. And it's already hard enough, right? There are so many things you have to figure out, so many moving parts, and it's very, very hard to find a winning combination, right? And so if you, if you really try to be super smart and figure everything out from scratch yourself, be super original, 
your 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 odds the odds are not in your favor. So um, I think it's a much better strategy to start with something that's proven to work and then just change one or two moving parts, right? And um, th there are different ways to think about it. But if you actually look at like what founders with a lot of experience are doing, this is precisely it, right? It's usually just the young, very naive founders that try to um, invent something completely new. And I mean, that's cool, uh, obviously, and someone's got to do it. but um, it's it's very rare it's very rare that these people actually succeed right so if if you actually want to make sure that you um that you are successful or have a reasonable odds right it makes more sense to to use this what i call the epsilon approach where you just take something that already exists and then add a little epsilon whereas uh, compared to like the zero to one approach right where you try to invent something completely new from scratch you're making me dig in my brain for like the, I forget the name of like the theorem. It's like, I, I took discrete math. I don't know if you ever took discrete math, but no. uh, I think it's this theorem where you just like, I'm trying to forget it. Remember like the concept. I don't know. Just like, I like the, the epsilon there. It's like registering something I learned in math class once. Like, <laughs> I just remember like writing this proof over and over again. I think it was like a proof of like some basic thing from calculus, like the proof of the derivative or, or the proof of the integral yeah, yeah, and like exactly. the epsilon I mean, delta um, proof or whatever it is just that. Yeah, I just did that so it's, many times and it just came up in my head. It's 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 standard like notation in mass if you yeah. have something something if you just want a generic tiny tiny thing, then you just write down an epsilon, right? And it obviously has well defined properties and this is why you can work with it in the context of um rigorous proofs, but um I just yeah <laughs> I just like the analogy. That's a great analogy. Let's talk about luck surface area for a second. What uh, can you define that concept more broadly? And what have been some of the most effective things you've done that have increased your luck surface area? Yeah, I mean, um, a concept quite a few people talk about, right? And it's basically the idea that there are things you can do act uh, like proactive to bring more luck into your life, right? Luck is not something that simply happens to you, but you can make it happen at least to some extent, and like the most obvious example, right? If you're just hiding in your parents' cellar or whatever in your little room every day, then the odds that something good will happen to you are very slim. But if you actually go out and actually talk to people every single day, whatever, just hustle, then um, yeah, <laughs> there are much, much better chances that an opportunity will come, will come across your way or whatever. And there are many, many things you can you can do and i mean what you're doing is a perfect example and also something i've done and that is just putting yourself out there online right and that can mean and this is what i did um, having a twitter account right just having your face and name out there and it's a combination of things you can do like obviously it's good to have like tweets or threads that go viral and then lots of new people Lots of new people um, become aware that you exist, and that obviously helps. Um, and yeah, it's led to cool things. And in in my case, but also just being consistent and um, posting something every day, every week, because um, this is another thing about like the, the luck service area theory, right? People usually think about what's top of mind, and like if I come across something cool. Uh, I will most likely send it to someone I spoke to recently or I saw recently, right? It's it's just how the human brain works. And um, I see this like every every time, right? When I when I stop posting or whatever, um, stop sending my email uh, newsletter, I, I stop uh, vanishing like from people's mind and um, I get fewer inbound emails and messages and whatever. But um, yeah, th these are like too important pillars and what I've tried to do. And it was also part of my learning experiment that I used to like kickstart my whole entrepreneurial journey, right? I not only did the 12 and 12, the, um, the levels framework of launching 12 projects in 12 months, but I also had like other homework assignments for me. And one of them was actually to put out a tweet every day um, for that exact reason. And I mean, another great model is having a podcast obviously, right? Just because 
yeah, that's perfect in terms of serendipity. It's a great excuse to reach out to people. And uh, another, another very obvious thing is just actually do cool stuff, right? Because yes. people, people like people who do, do things and not just talk. And um, every time I'm launching some, uh, something like a new project or whatever, I have like interesting people in my inbox and just wanting to chat and um, sharing ideas and proposing collaborations and stuff. And that's, this is amazing, right? And this um, requires you actually doing things. So actually, um, yeah, putting yourself out there in whatever way. But um, there's also another component which people usually not talk about or think about. And this is like your whole setup, which I also think is super important. And this, I mean, obviously, you know, the book by Dan Plisarian, right? He, mm -hmm. he has, his book is called the, the setup. And obviously this is like an offline work. And if you live in a cool house and in a cool location, obviously this helps to meet people, right? Um, but it's also, it also works, um, on the internet, for example, um, just having, having a website, right. With, um, whatever, um, that explains who you are having like on your polishing your Twitter profile and also like having your email address, for example, or your DMS open, right. Just available. And I'm always kind of shocked when people hide this. I, I just don't understand it because. It, it seems like a very stupid thing to me just to, <laughs> to obviously once you are super famous and um, it, it becomes a different story, but then obviously you can also hire someone um, to, to manage your inbox for you. But I think just yeah, having your email address easy to find is another very easy thing you can do to um, increase your luck surface area and also having your Twitter DMs open. So many great ideas there. I think... And even on the uh, celebrity DMs, again, there's like a, a sliding scale of things. So I've seen a friend of mine recently recommended this technique where just like the DM autoresponder, right? So it's just like, it's sort of like the chat bot. It's just like, hey, thanks for reaching out. I get a lot of messages. Is your message related to this, this, or this? And then like check a box and it like kind of redirects them. So it's still like ways to kind of keep everything useful over time. And uh, I'd like to read the Daniel Zarian book. I heard you recommend it on Danny Miranda's podcast. And uh it's the most expensive book I've ever seen on Kindle. I was like, it's $20 for a Kindle book? What the heck's going on here? But, you know, I'm still probably going to buy it because you've given it a, quite the recommendation. And the, the foreword from David Goggins, I'm like, okay, there's, there's, some, there's, some good, there's a good setup here as well, right? I was like, oh, I don't know about this guy. But I'm like, oh, I like David Goggins, so maybe I'll read it now. And I'm from Las Vegas originally, born and raised. So that's just a fun fact related to the story. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, one, I'm trying to think like the next question. I have so many questions for you. They're not super organized or aggregated. How, I think one thing that, that holds a lot of people back, right. When they're trying to start out is not having a general sense of like how long it takes to kind of quote, build something like to like launch something basic. Like what's been your experience with like how fast you can meaningfully put something interesting out into the world. Like if people think it's going to be like six, I think a lot of people have these misconceptions. It could be six months for me to like learn how to code, come up with a product idea, blah, 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 blah. Just like how fast can people if like just put something out there and make, make it smaller? Yeah. Great question. I mean, it's, it, it really depends on the context and whatever, but, um, in most cases, it's definitely a shorter than a lot, a lot of people think. And I mean, the whole, the whole thing about needing to build something before you um, can validate in eight years is obviously not true, right? And also, nowadays, there are so many ways to get something up and working very quickly, right? And I have now like this, this model which I use that allows me to test ideas very, very fast. And it's like this, this realization that there is really a spectrum between something that, that's completely manual and something that's completely automated, right? Between like a service and a SaaS, a software um, product. And you have a, a lot of room to play there. And so in many cases, really all it takes is put up a, a landing page and like a, pay, a, a buy button. And then once people buy, they get redirected to a form, right? And this model works for, for many, many 
projects that then can evolve into software products, for example. And obviously, like if you're if you're doing a service, that's all you need. <laughs> but um, even even if you if even if your goal is to um, move closer or completely towards the software side of things, right? I think this is like a very good approach, and um, because obviously it's better if people get results instantly, right? But the truth is also that this won't or may make or break um, your business, right? Either it's it's a big enough problem actually provides value or it doesn't. And yes, like uh, if the results come in within two seconds, that's amazing. But in, I've, I've experienced it like many times now um, in the model I just described, where you have just a landing page and then a buy button and then a form. And then the form actually just sends an email to me. And I actually look at like the input and then I just do it myself, right? Um, using software behind the scenes and then send it back to people within 24 hours or something. And that's perfectly fine for a lot of use cases. And then you can just start to automate more and more over time to remove yourself from the equation. And eventually, yeah, you have a fully automated um, product that um, you, can, you can go a long way. Um, just with this model, and it's it's amazing because you you don't have to invest like these many many hours to automate something completely, and this takes so much time. I I've done the mistake a few times, and it's it's simply not worth it to build like complex automations until you really fully understand how you're going to provide value, what people are really care about, what parts, and. Um, yeah, it's 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 kind of a cliche, but it's also totally true that um, being able to code is very dangerous as an entrepreneur because you just you can just get lost, right? It's yeah. so fun to code, so true, and and you always have something to do because you can always just build another feature or like make make something make faster, bit better, exactly. Yeah. And it's it's just a very very dangerous procrastination trap, in my experience, and. You're forcing yourself to just put things, something online, and um, once people buy, you actually deliver it, right? And really, just manually coding a solution for their specific um, input, whatever, because it's fine, right? And then once you have a lot of uh, some orders coming in, you actually notice these patterns, and you can automate it, and it's fine. And obviously, this doesn't work all the time, but it's a very good model, I think. Like especially if you're a beginner, and there is this. Um, I think, what's his name? The, the this um, stair 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 step approach to bootstrapping. Oh yeah, I've heard of that. Yeah, uh, exactly. It's it's kind of like this, right? Don't try to build a sauce um, as a complete Rob beginner. Walling. Rob Walling, exactly. Yeah. Um, because you most likely will fail, and I fully buy into this theory. And I also think what you're now doing is very smart, right? You're and now actually doing a service business. Yes. And this makes a lot of sense, even if your goal is like to eventually have a SaaS, um, become a SaaS founder, because the most important thing is not quitting. And I've, so, I've seen so many people quit simply because they were not earning enough money. And earning money with like a fully automated solution is so incredibly hard. Yeah. Um, whereas selling a service is very fairly easy. It's, it's not that hard because you actually talk to people, you understand what they need help with, and then you do it one by one. And this is, yeah, it's doable um, and much easier than trying to provide value at scale immediately, like yes. jumping, jumping to the end. And obviously, there are people who were able to do this, but they just got lucky, right? You, you don't see like all the people who, who tried to do The world's a big place, it. right? Exactly. And there are like, it's like if it's one in 10,000 people, if it's one in 10,000 SaaS ideas, that's just good right away. Well, it's okay. Cause there's a million SaaS ideas being launched every week. So you're going to have thousands of people online talking about taking their first swing at the bat and hitting a home run. It's just not. And that's why, again, you're really hesitant in terms of like, how should you listen to people? And you're, you're at least humble enough to be like, I was lucky that, you know, my first one was useful, but I was still planning to launch 12 things in the first year and kind of all these other lessons. Yeah, but like if I would start all over again, I would definitely um, like start um, with with a service um, from the get go, 
And because I, I kind of jumped around uh, with like these different approaches and uh, tried them, and this is really my takeaway that um, it definitely makes a lot more sense, like learn learn something uh, like web scraping in my in my case. And there are, there are a lot of different things you can do with this particular skill, and there are many other, right? And then you just um, offer this as a service. And every time you're working with someone one on one, you you're learning a lot, right? You actually you you can actually you don't have to charge a lot because all the real value is in the learnings. And this is how you get like clients, even if you don't know a lot, um, if you're not an expert or um, from the get go. And then you can observe these patterns and also use the cash flow from your service offer just to spin off these product ideas, which most likely will fail, but you can just go keep going because you actually have cash flow compared to um, people who just try to make the product stuff work um, right away. It, yeah, it's, it's hard. Yeah, Jacob, that's my playbook. I'm hoping to, in a year from now, tell you the, that that worked out for me in the sense of like, that's what we're doing, right? We're working with a bunch of mid-sized businesses and kind of similar sectors, right? So some marketing agencies, some other kind of online service-based businesses and, or when I say online, I mean like kind of remote fulfillment of the, the delivery of the product, right? Uh, and, you know, eventually like we're going to get asked to solve the same problem like five times, right? We're going to, someone's going to be like, or they're all asking us to do the same thing for them. And we're going to say, you know, it might be worth templating this. It might be worth uh, spending the time to do this in an automated way instead of just like, okay, there's a pretty similar series of steps. We could abstract this process out and make that something that, okay, maybe every marketing agency might need this or one in a thousand might, uh, but we're not starting out thinking that we know this market and thinking that we're going to be able to invent that from scratch and, and look at the whiteboard and be like, you know what? Like, you know, Universal Analytics is switching to Google Analytics 4 soon. Maybe we can like build a SaaS for that. It's like, I don't know. Like, you got to start smaller. And I think that's something that is really admirable about, like, I would really encourage everyone who's listening to this to spend, I don't you know, 10 minutes just like bouncing around your ecosystem and seeing how you can really, I think like a good word for what you do is like very unbundled. You're like a very unbundled person. And I think that has been really helped you understand with clarity what it is that you've made that's desirable and what's like not desirable. Because even as something as basic as like your spy products, like I feel like so many entrepreneurs are trying to be like, okay, I'm going to create the spy ecosystem, right? And then spend a year building the spy ecosystem and then being like, do people want this? Versus you're like five separate categories, five separate people, its own, don't pay for anything you don't need. And then you do also, of course, offer bundles later, right? I think that's that's clever too. But tell us about the like the spy products in specific, uh, what, what those are, because I think that'll be like a helpful example for people to like really realize how simple and I'm not saying easy, but like straightforward, a viable product can be. Just like one of the spy products. Yeah, my... I'm just trying to think w w which one to pick, but um, one, of the, one of them is Gumspy. It's called Gumspy. Yeah, that one's fascinating and to me. I, I found that one today. I'm like, that is a great idea. It's um, a database basically of all products on Gumroad that actually get bought. I mean, there's also some noise, so the noise is not included, but like all products that actually make sales are included. And it's, it's, it's very simple, right? You just get access to an Airtable and it lists all the products in all the different categories and including like the, the information that is available like what's the current rating how many reviews and um, has this thing got what's the price who's the creator is this a subscription or one-time payment and it's very interesting if you're doing some research for yourself um, trying mm -hmm. to find like what can i sell because I mean, it's, there are two ways, right? How you can actually spot these patterns and to come up with um, good ideas. And one is actually, and this is the best one, is just talking to people. But um, and another very good approach is uh, doing proper research, looking at data and looking at like studying really in depth what is actually working, what are people actually buying, then trying to figure out, okay, I could do like what this guy is doing, but in a different niche with a little twist, whatever, right? And this is um, like one of my spy products. And I mean, it's not like a huge business, but I mean, I, I find it useful myself. I like to look at the data and also it, it, it was great in terms of um, increasing my luck surface area 
because it actually led to a shout out on the My First Million podcast. So that's a big win. That alone, that's that alone the, for, for people it. who don't know, that was, uh, I don't know if it still is, but that's been hovering around number one in entrepreneurship and popularity in the US. So shout out on that podcast. It's no joke. Yeah. And like, even if the project doesn't make a lot of money, it was worth it. And it's still interesting because people buy it and then they reach out to me and just offer an idea and want to collaborate or ask me, Hey, can you help me do this? And it leads to interesting things, even if like the revenue is not that significant. And in terms of revenue, that is more significant. I have like this other project called newsletter spy and it's yeah, again, basically just the database of, um, in this case, newsletter and uh, newsletters and there are many different use cases and the product is pretty much use case agnostic and it, it just provides the raw data in terms of like all the active uh, newsletters on Substack, on review, and then like, what are they writing about? How many issues and uh, when, when was the first issue sent out? Like these kind of information, when was the last issue sent out? And for example, my, one of my friends, uh, Stefan von Imhoff, he runs alts.co. Yeah. He's been on he, the podcast. Yeah, exactly. He, um, he used the database and is using it again right now to find newsletters that have been abandoned, right. That are no longer active, Yeah, but they can still be valuable in terms of someone built an audience and that has, that has value. And he's running like alts.co and a newsletter is a huge component of that. So acquiring, acquiring newsletters, mm -hmm. uh, newsletters is one of their gross, um, yeah. gross engines. I got a link so to, to that speak. episode in the description. Cause he goes pretty in depth on how and why that's so useful for him, but it's really cool that he uses your product as his prospecting. Yeah. That's one use case. And obviously there are others, right? Um, mm -hmm. I mean, I, there are marketing, people, right? Yeah. Wanting to someone lo launching a new podcasting app and then looking for all the sub stacks with a podcast. And then uh, you can reach out to them and yeah, like it's all over the place. It's fun yeah, to no. see what people, people do with the data. So do you provide the email addresses in that, in that document or let people, or is that not enriched in that respect? Yeah. No, I have it. Yeah. It's okay. there. I was, I was yeah, that's extremely fine. valuable then. Exactly. I mean, um, I think for review there, it, there isn't except for the, we made Twitter um, URLs or something. Yeah. Except for like the generic reply addresses, but for Substack and all the others, it's there. Well, the thing about those reply addresses is they usually forward to a real address from someone, yeah. especially for probably a publication under 10,000 subscribers as well, which could be where a lot of like good meaty content it's good is. Enough, yeah. In many yeah. cases. What has been, and again, there's so much that I think is interesting. I have kind of my own micro SAS. I've been thinking of, or not SAS, but like DAS in terms or I'm getting silly with the acronyms here, RAS, like re, basically like research as a service is kind of what those are and, or research as a product, right? If it's not like something you're doing ongoing, but I think like there's a cool, so the job board space is something I've like thought about a lot because I've worked in it. And I think there's a lot of opportunity in, so there's, there's the niche job board which is cool. And like, I still think that's like, there's tons of opportunities there, but just making one, oh, actually two comments here. So one would be just making that like the air table instead of make, like, again, making it smaller, just making that an air table on Gumroad. Be like, Hey, this is an updated list of a thousand jobs in this niche. And like, that's aggregated by some other way, right? It's not LinkedIn. It's like scraping the APIs of major ATS systems. So like, that's one that I've like built a lot of the bones for already. I just haven't launched in any significant way. And then the other idea I had for you, just, just having fun here is with your Gumroad, uh, Airtable, you could spin up like a really basic Webflow website and like just like, or basic front ends for that. That's like gumroadleaderboard.com or something. Right. And you could, that could be like a fun little viral marketing idea to just be like Gumroad leaderboard. If you have the data and you can like sort by most lucrative, you can make like kind of a cute little, like you know, who's the most lucrative people on kind of like a, you know, social blade. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Cool so it's idea. like, I like that. Yeah. To like go on YouTube and be like, you know, these are the top, I love shit like that. Like I love being like, who are the top 10 most popular YouTubers right now? Who are the 10 biggest Instagram accounts right now? Uh, but like, who's just crushing, like who's crushing it on Gumroad. That'd be so interesting to find out not to that. And that'd be really, I just feel like that appeals to like some monkey brain and who's at the top of the social status game right now and everything like that. 
True. Also, yeah. full disclosure, yeah. partial investor of Gumroad here via Republic.com. <laughs> I think I I think I put five hundred dollars into their crowdfunding rounds. So nice. <laughs> let's go. Let's go, Gumroad. Let's go. But one other kind of interesting vertical you've been playing with has been uh, micro consulting. So like asynchronous micro consulting. I think that's a real, that's a newer experiment. Yes. Uh, what's been the the gist of that? Oh yeah, I actually saw people doing something similar and thought this could be a fun experiment, right? Just um, offer basically that I answer people people's questions by charging a little money for it. And the goal is not like to to make revenue because it it was feel far too cheap for that. I charged twenty nine bucks, I think, and it took me sometimes around an hour to actually uh, like answer these questions. So not very smart in the financial sense, but it was um, and still is a very interesting experiment because it it actually helps in terms of um, it it makes it easier for people to reach out. Because I, I knew that for myself, especially in the beginning, right, when you're just starting out, I, one of the most valuable things you can do is learn from someone just one or two steps ahead of you. Mm-hmm. But there is like this invisible wall, like you're most likely not reaching out. And if you reach out, what you're going to say, right? Um, I just need help or can I break your brain or whatever. And it just feels weird. And um, I've just thought about it and yeah if like someone one step one or two steps ahead of me had offered this i would had immediately bought it right it's, it's, it's a kind of a no-brainer because um there is now a clear structure and expectation around it and it, it's like this idea earn.com right it mm-hmm. existed a while ago and then they pivoted to crypto got bought by coinbase and oh, this is what apology started I don't know, maybe, but it got okay. shut down. I think it's it's not really active. And the idea was, um, you have like all these, like in this case, it was actually famous people, but um, they you could you could ask them questions and actually um, pay a fee and they will answer you, right? So you could get an answer from Balaji, for example, right? And or Ravel Navikant or stuff. Yeah, I think this also enables like people. Who, to reach out who otherwise never would have been uh, would have reached out and also i mean it just takes all the ambiguity out of it exactly and i mean it, it kind of sucks if you take a lot of if you actually sit down and like write these these questions down that you would like to ask this person and then you never get a reply right it's it, it can be very frustrating because you're also investing something um your, your time into actually asking these questions and giving all the context and stuff and so if you actually know you will get a response you actually i i see this now i like the the questions and um the the, the input i'm getting so much better compared to before where it's very thoughtful only, yeah it's, it's very thoughtful and before i mean obviously i always I was always getting um emails from people asking for stuff but usually it was very people people keep it brief right and hey just one quick thing and i was writing a quick reply and that's that and now it's really interesting because people actually sit down and record a 20 minute video like a loom video where they walk me through their situation what they're currently doing and what they are struggling with and some people just like talk about the situation and um there's no really not really a specific question but more like like any ideas are appreciated and i can then sit down and actually do proper research, like look at all their stuff um, in, in depth and then record a response. And I really, really enjoy this model. In the beginning, I also had like, uh, I offered like actually um, synchronous calls, like a Zoom call. Um, but I now got rid of that offer because it's it's just not as good, in, in my opinion, because in, in a conversation like this, you you can't take the time to actually do proper research and be more thoughtful. So I think like the asynchronous approach is is a lot more valuable. And I mean the the feedback I've been getting is incredible. Like it's it's the best feedback I ever got on anything. <laughs> it's it's really crazy. So um, it's it's a lot of fun for me. 
I'm also learning a lot, um, again, about like different ways how I can help people. Um, but yeah, people also seem to get um, value out of it. So it's, it's a great experiment. And I've currently raised the price simply because I was getting too many like people uh, signing up and I wasn't able like to have, I didn't have enough time and I don't want to do like more than one a day <laughs> because, um, like I said, it's, it's not worth it in financial sense anyway. And also like the, the quality of my answers will, um, get worse if I, if I do multiple of these a day, I just feel like, um, it's, it's not fair. So I currently raise the price just to, 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 to throttle like, um, things a little bit. No, that, that's so fascinating. And I think, you know, I think you've talked about cold outreach before and like successful tips for that. And basically everyone's advice, right. is like put more effort into your cold outreach. And that's extremely frustrating because then it's like spend 20 minutes on each message without any knowledge of if you're going to get a reply. And this like completely alleviates that problem. It's like, I'm, oh, oh, it's not cold, right? It's, it's not cold. It's like you set the terms and step up to the plate or don't step up to the plate. And for people, it's like that level of clarity is priced so deeply appreciated by, by both sides of the marketplace. But I want to ask you a separate line of questioning kind of related to this. I think one term you've conceptualized or abstracted out really well is the concept of like expanding agency or the idea of like growing your sense of what's possible for yourself. And, you know, one thing you can maybe consider adding to your list if you haven't already put it on there is just like well, exactly what you're saying. Like if you ever go on Fiverr or if you ever go on uh, Upwork, just like this freelancing websites and just look what people are selling. It is absolutely fascinating. Uh, I remember once I just like went to the marketing category and maybe this is simple now, but it's like, you know, sounds like I will go to this college campus and hang up a hundred flyers for you. I'm like, that is so fast. It's like, Oh, like that's something you can, you know, think that you include other lists right in that post, like uh, things you can do, right? Like things you can do. People don't realize that that's possible. Like you can go and I don't have a good example besides this one. Like if you wanted to, you can spend $20 today and probably have a picture of your face put on a college campus, a 300 miles away in 500 locations. Like that's so fascinating to me that like, that's, that's something. So what are some of like, how did you, I guess, come to that abstraction of like expanding agency and why is that a worthwhile pursuit? And what have been like some big agency expanding things for you as of recently? Yeah. I mean, first, first of all, I, I have a funny story actually to something real, um, related about something related to that, because I have a little script, um, that pulls like, um, Upwork jobs for specific terms and then sends me like uh, a little summary. And not because I'm looking for freelance jobs, but um, precisely for the reason you're, you just mentioned, right? I like my term is web scraping, right? I, it's one of the terms I'm keeping an eye on. And just by looking at these Upwork job posts, I can see what people are interested in, right? And I think it's a great idea to, to just keep, keep, an, keep an eye on and uh, learn a lot um, this way and coming up with business ideas, right? It's, it's a, very in business ideas, remote. both in terms of consulting or SaaS. Exactly. I, I, exactly. It's, and you, you definitely see patterns, like what kind of things, um, people often need help with. And it's, it's very interested, like to, to, to have this input and there are, there's always new stuff. And I, I hadn't thought about like, in terms of what scraping jobs are in demand and what data is in demand. So yeah if someone is looking to come for a good way to come up with business ideas or really just looking for niches to look into this is a great approach just studying these service marketplaces and looking for patterns and ideally um offering to service yourself to get actually get into conversations on them yeah um i want to share with you one idea before i forget it real quick and then we can resume the question sure. so one thing i think is really interesting giving you so much so much of my sauce here not too much but the uh you share a lot just with the world for free. It's, it's awesome. The, so basically just, you know, the standard set of like search engine tools that are pretty readily available for like Google, right? So you have Google trends, that's free. You have Google alerts, that's free. You have obviously SERP trackers, right? Like ranking position trackers. Those are sometimes free, pretty low cost. I think there's really interesting opportunities in basically replicating all of those features for secondary search engines or third third tier search engines so like basically if you built you know a, a vo keyword volume monitoring tool on upwork that would be like a really interesting way to monitor like demand for a certain thing over time so like 
for just like a term like Python, right? Like that'd be, is Python increasing, is the instances of Python as a search term increasing in a, for jobs over time? Or like maybe there's some new, I forget uh, what my roommate is talking about. I forget the new, like there's, I think it's called, I don't even know, it starts with an S, but like, it's like the new version of React. It's like the new hot front end framework that I don't, I don't remember what's called, but like monitoring Upwork trends over time would be a fascinating third. So basically taking everything that is like your standard Google search engine features, uh, monitoring analysis data, whatever, and building those for like the search engines that don't have that. So I think that's like a super interesting niche to focus on. I've actually done my, my fair bit of research on, on this exactly. And my biggest learning was that like every time you're doing this, your result will be exactly or almost exactly the same that you are getting from Google Trends. Just and minimized. Exactly. And I mean, it's not too surprising because um, of the way how people use the internet, right? They just go to Google and type in stuff. And so, for example, like the, the number of times something gets mentioned on Reddit or people type in stuff on Amazon, whatever is directly correlated to how often people people search for stuff on Google. So I yeah, I actually wasted a lot of time <laughs> trying to <laughs> like with with these kind of experiments, trying to figure out if I can come up with some new trend detection algorithms, whatever. Yeah. But in the end it turned out that it's it's all correlated to Google Trends. So uh, and you just like there's a factor obviously like it's less whatever um uh, compared to google um but honestly and it's the same with websites whatever if you look at traffic and compare because lots of people actually type in the website name into google and this is how they navigate the web and they don't necessarily type in the url or end up via whatever and there is usually a, a strong correlation between traffic and these kind of data points but the tracking is definitely more um, more interesting i think um, also because, um, selling trend data in my experience is not that easy, but monitoring is a big business and you, you can, yeah. you can definitely do interesting things there, especially because I've seen now quite a few people complain about Google alerts. I mean, it's, um, no longer working very well. And there are, um, like software businesses built around like brand monitoring, obviously and stuff, but there are also niches where there are still opportunities. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if Upwork has like the best alert system. So I think like even just building like something like a wrapper for that could be interesting. But I uh, interrupted the, the flow of thought on expanding agency. Yeah. Um, there is this great blog post you mentioned, right? Just things you can do. And it's, it's a very simple blog post and basically just lists um, things you can do, but that people usually don't think about, like you can hire a researcher actually to, to, to research, whatever on, on something you, you're interested in, write a summary for you. Um, and I actually can't remember the other things on the list, but, um, it's, it's, it's funny that people like get their mind blown <laughs> by, by something so simple, but it's also not surprising because we all like operate on autopilot like most of the time and we just do what we have always done and um like it's it's one of the the cool things if you're traveling obviously that you get um that you are forced to 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 try new things whatever but the the thing is you can actually do this in your hometown also and you just never do it right you can you can go to a, like a, you can sleep a night in a five-star hotel or go to the best restaurant in town. You can go to a, uh, a store and buy something very, like a very expensive piece of clothing, whatever, just do these things and see how they feel. Right. And, um, there are, there are many, many, like also things you can do for free. Like just have you ever tried reading a book in a cafe? Right. I mean, it's, it sounds simple. Um, or, or probably even a bit silly, but there are these things you can do. And unless you really try them, you never know if, yeah, if, if this is something you like and you really can expand your agency, like the, the things you, uh, you, 
you're doing. And there are, um, I, I think one of the examples I've written about is um, paying for expensive parking, right? And like with my parents, it was always, we were parking like far out, <laughs> um, like far away from downtown simply because it's cheaper, like searching for a free parking spot and then walking for whatever <laughs> to the, the, the cinema or the restaurant where we wanted to go. And it's one of these things because the, you learn these patterns as a, as a child, whatever, and it's, it's hard to break out. And unless you really make a conscious effort and you need like this, this, these inputs, like these ideas, huh, actually, I, I could try this. And then you try it and maybe it doesn't make sense, but in this, um, particular example, I think it makes a lot of sense, uh, right? Just, <laughs> just, um, stop doing that. Just, um, you're wasting so much time and just pay for for a, for a great parking spot and it's worth it. And, um, yeah, I, I think it's a very important idea, but it's also hard to execute because, um, the bottleneck is, you don't know what you don't know, right? Actually, exactly. like, like having these ideas you can do. And this is why this blog post by, I forgot his name. Um, I think one was like, go for like a long hike by yourself. Right. That's another exactly. one. Exactly. Just sleep, a, sleep a night in nature. Right. Why not? <laughs> you can, you can, you can definitely try these things and you learn a lot more than if you spent another night on the couch, just watching Netflix. Right. Yeah. I think, and, uh, have you ever seen ARAC on YouTube? A-I-R. I A-C-K. ARAC. Yeah. He, I think I just watched a YouTube video by him where he hired like a hundred people who acted like paparazzi. Yeah. <laughs> followed him around. He's like, exactly. He's like the best example of like agency busting. Like you're like, what? Like he just, or one example here is like, he, he has one video. He's like, I spent $10,000 on random stuff from Facebook marketplace. Right. And it's like, I hired a random person to meet me at the park and coach me on a workout. I just paid $50 for lip injections for a day. And it's just like back. I just, one that's really fascinating or a, a two that are really fascinating from him. One, it's like, you know, he has all of his friends, a separate video conquer their, their greatest fears. Right. But you can like pay someone to like put you in a professional body armor protection and have a German shepherd attack you. It's like getting over your fear of like a large dog attacking you or maybe making it worse, depending on how the experience goes. But like you can pay someone to like, unleash or like to get stung by a bee like if you've never been stung by a bee before and you're afraid of it it's like you could probably go pay a beekeeper to like go out there and like get that done for you and so it's so many fascinating examples i think he's like the best example of that yeah i love that and i mean um youtubers uh again have like this unfair advantage because they they already have like this framing right they are yes they have to do these crazy stunts um, but you, you don't need like a camera and do it for an audience or to get attention. You can really just do it for yourself. And it's surprisingly hard. <laughs> I mean, I, I also want to like do more of it, but, um, like I said, it's a, it's a very nice idea, but hard to execute in, in practice. And you really just need a, a strong framework or something. I feel yeah. like maybe like the 12th. The forcing but, function, right? It's exactly. kind of this and just say, okay, I, I have like this list of 500 ideas, whatever. And every week I'm picking one at random and this is what I'm going to do. Right. Just, just try it on. And it doesn't have to be like expensive stuff or crazy stuff. It can be very simple. Like I said, just, um, go to the library or to, to a cafe and read a bucket book, book in public. Right. Yeah. And, um, even these simple things can teach you a lot about yourself and mm -hmm. it's, it's very, very valuable. Yeah, I like, you know, Ryan Holiday. I think you're a fan of as well, or at least uh, very familiar with his work. And his daily stoic challenge deck is like a really approachable way for this as well. I don't know if you've seen that product, but it's just like a deck of playing cards, but each one is just like a random thing to go out and do, right? So it's like once like sleep on the floor tonight. Uh, and you're like, well, I don't know if I've ever tried sleeping on the floor just for no reason. Or, or once like, you know, go to the lake or I was thinking the lake because that was the go, go like to somewhere in your neighborhood and pick up trash for an hour. And so like, that's a good, like $10, you know, just maybe hang out with like a group of five friends, right. And everyone just takes a card off the top and it's like, okay, you know, so that's another good example there. This daily stoic challenge. The only reason I got it, he sent it to me. I bought one of his like coins and then he just like sent me the deck instead of the coin. 
and not Ryan, right? Obviously, but his fulfillment arm. Yeah, that's yeah, that, that's a great idea, and um, I, I like these the, the idea of having these physical cards. Well, it's all about packaging, all... right? Like you could just as yeah. easily pay some, you know, per, like take your blog post, have a graphic designer turn that into a deck of cards, and sell that for twenty five dollars just as easily if you wanted to. Exactly, it's about how you yeah, package you... things for people. You just need to to have these ideas, and um, yeah, I I also also would want to get better and want to get more ideas. So I'll definitely look into this deck, and I wish there were more product like this for different niches. Because, for example, you might have different goals, like um, like expanding your your network, being more social, getting in shape, whatever. And the truth is that you don't need like one guru, whatever, who gives you all the answers, but uh, it's really always just a matter of you actually doing experiments, trying mm -hmm. stuff until you find something that works for you. And um, it's one of these things you learn as you get older is that like almost no one practices what they preach. Mm -hmm. And like, it's especially true online, like you have all these like influencers, whatever, and, but not, not, not just in a traditional sense but also you have productivity influencers whatever right and they, they have these crazy setups and whatever and you have writing influencers right online writing influencers but um the the thing is that like no one and not elias and i actually has a great uh, recent post on that topic right um the truth is that no one of like of the truly successful writers or whatever entrepreneurs whatever actually copied someone else's um mm -hmm. like morning routine or approach to productivity whatever but like how it always works is that people like take bits and samples from like all over the uh, all over the place they, uh, you pick it up and you just try it and you keep what's working and discard the rest and um this is like the correct approach because people are so different and there are many many reasons why different things work for different people and you just have to try it. But unless you actually do these experiments and I mean, in, in like in each area, there are so many experiments you can try, um, to, to like improve, um, in that particular direction. Right. But you just got to do it and not just blindly copy someone's structure completely, but really just look at, Oh, here's one interesting Thing this person is doing that we try that as well and then if it's not working okay but yeah this is also now my approach and i try to keep like lists of these little little things i discover and most of them don't work for me and that's perfectly mm -hmm. fine right but um and a, a big reason is that people actually don't practice what they work and you discover <laughs> exactly it just sounds nice once you once you try it yeah, yeah i mean there are so many people and if you are if you, if you write if you are writing um, a lot, you notice this yourself. It's very easy to start writing stuff that sounds good, but it's not actually true mm -hmm. <laughs> because it like writes up because it makes you look good. And this is how a lot of writing is done. And um, I'm not blaming people, right? It's, it's just, um, it, it, it's very easy. It, 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 it just happens. Um, but it's, uh, yeah, you have to be careful and actually try. <laughs> and, yes. Uh, try these different things. Now, I think that's one thing that's been really compelling about your brand is just, you're very straightforward with this. Is, and this is something I try to do too. I was on a podcast yesterday uh, where this guy asked me about uh, one of my blog posts called like 21 rules for getting your shit together. It's like 21 habits that like I thought were really helpful uh, with like overall success and happiness or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, uh, like I'm like, before I even talk about that blog post, it's aspirational. Those are like 21 things that like when I'm doing them, I find that my life is more, is in most ways better than it is when I'm not doing them. That doesn't mean I do them every day. That doesn't mean if it's tw it's 21 or nothing. It's just like 21 things that more th for the most part, when I'm doing a high percentage of that, my life is better than when I'm not would be like the more accurate title for that piece. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's, that's the, another part of the story, right? Actually sticking, sticking mm -hmm. uh, to these things, you know, are good for you. And I mean, med meditation is probably the biggest, ex uh, for example, for most people where yep. everyone knows now, nowadays it's good for you, but it's still so hard to do consistently. Um, but yeah. Well, let me ask you a couple rapid fire questions and then, then we'll wrap up. Uh, I don't know if you've done 
much i know like the indie hacker goes a lot with the nomading have you done a lot of travel or have you been like more uh stationary 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 not, tra- not traveling a lot okay because i know that like you know the peter levels is a big uh that's been something I, I completely agree with i this year i traveled a ton and the first six months of the year and i felt like i got like nothing done outside of like maintaining the bare minimum right so it's like doing my responsibilities at my job, going to the gym periodically, eating healthy food. But like outside of that, like no progress. So I don't understand the uh, indie hacker and full-time nomad as well. I think that's, it's just hard until, at least until you're getting initial traction. Yeah. It's so distracting. Exactly. I mean, um, I actually, I like traveling, but like in the correct dosage, because I am then, I do it like in the more traditional sense of, uh, traveling for two weeks there and here here and there right and just because it's nice uh, to leave your comfort zone to see something new um but yeah like this perpetual traveling i i couldn't do it it's just i'm not made for it, it, it <laughs> i'm so uh, I'm, I, I need my routines to to be productive and um, unless i'm able to focus on that like if i just when i moved here to denmark last year like until you actually figure out where to buy what, right? It takes so much energy and time. And I can't imagine doing this every few months. I mean, it's, <laughs> it took me a year to, to figure this out in one place. So I'm, <laughs> I'm no happy with that. No, it's crazy how much headspace keeping yourself alive and healthy takes up. Uh, if you're trying to come up with new routines for cooking, eating, cleaning, exercise, it's insane. It's ridiculous. What is one thing that normal people should know about theoretical physics? We are very, very far from understanding what's really going on. And that is because there has been zero progress in theoretical physics in the last 60 years. And I I think that's important to emphasize because you, you always see the headlines, right? And the truth is like physics departments and physics in general has good PR. Um, mm-hmm. In a sense that you you read a lot of hypey stories and see a lot of hypey documentaries and stuff. There are these um, again physics influencers, um, like pushing. So the I can title this episode "A War on Influencers." Yeah, and it's very easy to get the impression that we actually know a lot and there is all this exciting stuff going on, but actually it isn't. I think this is far more interesting because it also means there is a huge opportunity for. Um, fresh minds to come in and bring new ideas because physics is completely stuck right now. So we, it really needs another Einstein to come in and um, like uh, untangle the mass and um, un- until we reach the next level. So, yeah. <laughs> All right. Final question. What are you most excited about right now? Either something you're working on, something you're learning about. What is like what are you fired up about right now at this moment? Could be a product that you're in build mode. Yeah, I'm actually like um, having a lot of fun with a friend of mine, Ryan Doyle. We're um, basically building an agency called Damn Good Leads. Oh, I'm, yeah, I've seen this. Okay, yeah. He He's a sales guy. He worked in sales and I'm more technical and it's 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 very, it's a very good combination. Like... Um, and we are able to provide a lot of, lot of value, um, to people and we are learning, uh, we are learning so much. So this is really, really fun, a very fun experiment. No, I, uh, I would encourage people to read about that too. If they're in the business where leads are, you know, their business, uh, it's a cool pitch you have there. Forgot about that one. It's hard to keep track. Uh, <laughs> I do like the, uh, investor update summary. It's, it's a nice read for like keeping track of everything and something I'll need to do when I have that many things in motion. And I like how you say that you're technical. And I think you've kind of expressed that you have a fundamental understanding of like the basics of marketing that most, I feel like marketers don't even have. That's just like, okay, someone has to want this. <laughs> Step one, someone has to want this. It has to solve a problem for them. Uh, but it's, so if you, if you think that you're the technical partner in that relationship, it probably means your, your partner is a pretty damn good marketer and sales guy. Yeah, that's perfect. I mean, <laughs> that's great. What is the best start here page for everything that you do? Could be your Twitter page, could be your home page of your website. Uh, if people just want to be in the know or maybe start with one subscription, 
and then end up getting like three emails a week, but reading all of them. Yeah, definitely my Twitter um, account is, I think, the, the, the fastest summary of what I've been up to. And like uh, most of my projects are listed there and um, some of my best ideas. So, and I also have like these um, investor updates, but it's yeah, like this whole funnel, or whatever um, idea, right? And the best, if you're a stranger, right? The best way to become familiar with someone is just via Twitter because it's um, a very low effort investment, whatever. And then if you like someone's stuff, you can subscribe to the newsletter and eventually you might become a customer whatever and eventually even buy like a micro consulting <laughs> so um yeah this is at least how i think about it and like the twitter accounts definitely the top of the funnel amazing well i will link that below for people who are curious and jacob this has been a blast thank you so much yeah um have a world of fun thanks that's going to conclude this conversation with jacob greenfeld three takeaways for me and then we're all going to move on to the next thing first one is again i don't care that these takeaways are often repeated episode to episode if it's the right way to do things if it's a good lesson i'm just going to keep saying it lesson number one takeaway number one is literally just get started right start small find a way to make the project something you can get a validation on the idea you can share it with people you can present it to other people just start doing it start building a basic prototype or at least a basic landing page and see if anyone is interested and use that to to get started you don't need to spend six months building a huge project just find something simple and get to work jacob uh, again the framework the forcing function 12 startups in 12 months forces you to think lean forces you to think how can i build this and test it thoroughly in under a month and uh, I love that framework. So again, he's just someone who's like, I'm going to get started right away and just started list going on product hunt, cloning ideas, listening to podcasts that, like My First Million where they give ideas and trying to build the stuff that he hears it's most interesting, et cetera. Uh, and then of course, learning the tools to do the work along the way. Second one is consuming with the intention to take action and or uh, make experiments. I think one, all of his content is written in this lens, which makes it super compelling. It's it's not like I'm reading this to be productive. I'm reading this to learn something. It's like, no, I want ideas to try new things to lead to new outcomes and, and better results. Uh, so very action oriented in how you're leaning, learning to information. So I mean, this podcast, for example, this episode is most useful to you if there's one thing that you try from it, right? Not like, oh, I have all this knowledge now. It's like, no, did you do anything differently in your life because you listened to this? Did you go to Jacob's website, subscribe to his newsletter, and now you're going to get good ideas every week. Like that is the point of all of this is to do things differently, do things better. Or if you're doing things right, I guess like validate that you're doing things right. Uh, but most likely there's something to learn from everyone. And Jacob really shares a lot of great ideas. And then final takeaway is the worst thing is quitting, right? So first of all, it's really helpful to have cash flow to sustain your indie hacker journey. So Jacob recommended if he was starting out, he'd start service-based and then have more of a cushion to launch SaaS products later, or these, I say SaaS really just to mean anything with automated fulfillment. It's like the only way you fail is if you quit and you stop trying. Most people won't get it in their third try like Jacob, but I think most people who truly dedicate themselves to the 12 startups in 12 months framework end up figuring it out even just a little bit. Uh, so stop quitting or quit quitting. Don't quit. I don't know. Keep going. Uh, we're going to keep going. We're going to keep publishing episodes of this podcast. You should subscribe if you want to know about them in the future. Uh, like I've said a bunch of times, I'm a big fan of Jacob's work. I'd recommend the, you know, there's a lot of recommended reading in the bio to some of the articles we talk about in this episode or not in the bio, in the show notes. Uh, Jacob's Twitter is a great place to learn his blog, newsletters, eBooks, even products. Uh, I'll just scope out his ecosystem and see what it is that you want to emulate and, and, and get to work. Uh, get to uh, get to shameless copying, as we discussed, but changing some things slightly, a little epsilons. That's it for me. I'll see you next time. If you uh, can't wait till next time, go listen to another episode. I've put a lot of them out there, and I will see you soon. Have a great day. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.